I'm Pastor Brian Paulson, and this is The Message. Thank you for listening here in Libertyville, in Lake County, or around the world. Center your heart now with the prayer for illumination, listen deeply to Holy Scripture, and then let God's Word speak to you today through the message delivered by our interim associate pastor, the Reverend Nicole Farley. Let us pray. Dear Lord, as we hear these words from Holy Scripture, may we meditate upon them and may our hearts join with the Scripture to produce actions in our lives. Amen. Our first reading today is from Matthew, the 18th chapter, verses 21 through 35. It's the parable of the unforgiving servant. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Should I forgive them as many as seven times? Jesus said, not just seven times, but rather as many as 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle accounts, they brought to him a servant who owed him 10,000 bags of gold. Because the servant didn't have enough to pay it back, the master ordered that he should be sold along with his wife and children and everything he had and that the proceeds should be used as a payment. But the servant fell down, kneeled before him, and said, Please, be patient with me. I'll pay you back. The master had compassion on that servant, released him, and forgave the loan. When that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 coins. He grabbed him around the throat and said, Pay me back what you owe me. Then his fellow servant fell down and begged him, Be patient with me, and I'll pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he threw him into prison until he had paid back his debt. When his fellow servants saw what happened, they were deeply offended. They came and told their master all that had happened. His master called the first servant and said, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you appealed to me. Shouldn't you also have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy upon you? His master was furious and handed him over to the guard responsible for punishing prisoners until he had paid the whole debt. My Heavenly Father will also do the same to you if you don't forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Our second reading this morning is from Jonah, chapter 3, 10 through chapter 4, 11. The Lord's word came to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to Nineveh, that great city, and declare against it, in the proclamation that I am commanding you. 
Now Jonah got up and went to Nineveh according to the Lord's word. Now Nineveh was indeed an enormous city, a three days walk across. Jonah started into the city walking one day and he cried out, just 40 days more and Nineveh will be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed to fast and put on mourning clothes from the greatest of them to the least significant. When the word of it reached the king of Nineveh, he got up from his throne, stripped himself of his robe, covered himself with mourning cloth, and sat in ashes. He then announced in Nineveh, by decree of the king and his officials, neither human nor animal, cattle nor flock, will taste anything. No grazing and no drinking water. Let humans and animals alike put on mourning clothes and let them call upon God forcefully. And let all persons stop their evil behavior and the violence that is under their control. He thought, who knows? God may see this and turn from his wrath so that we might not perish. God saw what they were doing, and they had ceased their evil behavior. So God stopped planning to destroy them, and he didn't do it. But Jonah thought this was utterly wrong. He And he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, come on, Lord. Wasn't this precisely my point when I was back in my own land? This is why I fled Tarshish earlier. I know that you are merciful and compassionate, God, very patient, full of faithful love and willing not to destroy. At this point, Lord, you may well take my life from me because it would be better for me to die than live. The Lord responded, your anger is a good thing. But Jonah went out from the city and sat down east of the city. There he made himself a hut and sat under it in the shade to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a shrub, and it grew up over Jonah, providing shade for his head and saving him from his misery. Jonah was very happy about the shrub. But God provided a worm the next day at dawn. It attacked the shrub so that it died. Then the sun rose, God, then as the sun rose, God provided a dry east wind. And the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he became faint. He begged that he might die, saying, It is better for me to die than to live. God said to Jonah, Is your anger about the shrub a good thing? Jonah said, Yes, my anger is a good thing, even to the point of death. But the Lord said, You pitied the shrub for which you did not work and which you didn't raise. It grew in a night and it perished in a night. Yet for my part, can't I pity that Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 people who can't tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? The word of the Lord. 
Friends, I invite you to pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So I have to confess, I feel for Peter. So often in the Gospels, I think he ends up as a stand-in for the people who are trying but don't quite understand. When he asks Jesus, Lord, how many times should I forgive my sibling who sins against me? Should I forgive as many as seven times? He's like that kid in class. I was that kid in class. Who thinks they'll impress the teacher, not only with the right answer, but you add an extra thing on to show you really did the reading. And then you end up giving the wrong answer. (laughs) Professor Lewis R. Donaldson explains, since seven is a holy number, Peter is probably asking something like, must I practice perfect forgiveness? And how does Jesus respond? Not just seven times, but rather as many as 77 times. There's some uncertainty about whether the correct translation should be 77 times or 70 times seven. But Donaldson says, while the exact number is not clear in the Greek, the point of the number is your forgiveness, my forgiveness, must be beyond perfect. It must be beyond counting. Forgiveness becomes an absolute. Then we encounter grumpy Jonah, who sounds a bit like a toddler in need of a good nap. Come on, Lord. Wasn't this precisely my point when I was back in my own land? This is why I fled to Tarshish earlier. I know that you are a merciful and compassionate God, very patient, full of faithful love, and willing not to destroy. At this point, Lord, you may as well take my life from me, because it would be better for me to die than to live. God replies, is your anger a good thing? Another translation of this could be, is it good that it burns you? Is it good that it burns you? And then God tries to teach Jonah why the answer is what we know it is. God grows a plant overnight, and the next night causes it to wither. Jonah gets angry about this too, and God asks again, is it good that it burns you? We may not quite yet understand what the plant has to do with the people of Nineveh. We can come back to Matthew, this time to the sixth chapter, to help us understand. We read, look at the birds in the sky. They don't sow seed or harvest grain or gather crops into barns. Yet your heavenly father feeds them. Aren't you worth much more than they are? Who among you by worrying can add a single moment to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? Notice how the lilies in the field grow. They don't wear themselves out with work and they don't spin cloth. 
But I say to you that even Solomon in all of his splendor wasn't dressed like one of these. If God dresses grass in the field so beautifully, even though it's alive today and tomorrow it's thrown into the furnace, won't God do much more for you, you people of weak faith? Consider that context. Now, when you hear, the Lord said, you pitied the shrub for which you didn't work and which you didn't raise. It grew in a night and it perished in a night. Yet for my part, can't I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 people who can't tell their right hand from their left and also many animals? If Jonah is so upset about the loss of a plant, then he should be even more upset that thousands of people would be lost, for they are even greater in God's sight. Let's talk a bit about why Jonah might be so spiteful about the Ninevites. Remembering that, in the era of the books of kings, Israel was split into the northern kingdom, Israel, and the southern kingdom, Judah. Doctoral student C. Davis Hankins wrote, Many critics focus on the city, the capital of the Neo-Assyrian Empire, whose brutality was renowned and which was responsible for the annihilation of the northern kingdom in 722 BCE. Jonah presumably wants this evil place punished. And as an Israelite whose country is so often chided for failing to repent, resents that Nineveh, of all places, repents. Aha. Do we know this kind of anger, this kind of resentment, this kind of desire for vengeance? I do. I have felt this. With certain things, I still feel this. And so we return to Matthew. We hear of this king who has enslaved people, which usually occurred because people had a debt they could not pay, and their enslavement was manner in which the debt was repaid. We come back to Professor Donaldson, who explains the story opens with the Lord demanding repayment for a slave for an absurdly large amount of money. I would interject, there's no way this person ever owned this much money. So it's, it's important to know that. Donaldson says 10,000 talents, or as we heard, bags of gold, does not mean just 10,000 talents. Since both 10,000 and talents serve in Greek as the largest number possible. The absurdity of the amount is crucial to the story. Scholar Charlotte Dudley Cleghorn sums it up to say, the servant in the parable who has forgiven a huge debt but is unwilling to forgive a small one has no sense in his heart or mind of the generosity and graciousness shown to him. Like a fast ping pong match, this brings us back to Jonah, doesn't it? Jonah, who was so upset at God over a plant, 
but couldn't rejoice in God's sparing of thousands of people, had not grasped the magnitude of God's generosity and graciousness, shown not only to the Ninevites, but also to Jonah. In Jonah, we see this deeply loving God. And in Matthew, we hear that God will not forgive us our debts if we don't forgive our debtors. This feels like quite a reversal from what is so often interpreted as the smiting God of the Hebrew Bible and the loving God of the New Testament, doesn't it? There are two important things to remember here. Matthew is also the gospel writer who is far and beyond the other writers in his use of the phrase wailing and gnashing of teeth in the context of God's response to unloving behavior by humans. As point two, then, with this in mind, it is not hugely surprising that he also has God's forgiveness being conditional. Recognizing that each gospel was written with a, in a particularly distinct cultural context, that tells me that Matthew perceived that the people whom he was trying to teach needed threats to get them to behave well. I feel confident in this because I was taught that whenever God's actions and words seem incongruent from one text in the Bible to another, that I should step back and remember that the primary way that God acts and speaks is out of love, is as love. If some text doesn't read like that, then we must certainly recognize the circumstances have skewed the storytelling about how God is in relationship with us. In this case, it is our reading from Jonah that brings us back to a God of love. So what do we do with the kind of anger, the kind of resentment, the kind of desire for vengeance that Jonah is experiencing, that we experience? We have an idea of how someone should have behaved, usually more loving, more just. And they did not. And we are hurt. We are offended that they did not. So too, does God have an idea of how we should behave? Usually, more loving and more just. And we do not. Wouldn't it make sense that God would be hurt and offended too. Yet God forgives again and again and again and again. This is the more than perfect forgiveness Jesus spoke of to Peter and those listening. God forgives the ways we turn away from God. In short, God acknowledges our shortcomings and does not hold them against us. There is a quote that I have loved for a very long time, one that grounds me in what God seeks from me. The credit is uncertain, most often given to either Philo or Plato, 
But the message is, be kind, for everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. Professor Catherine D. Blanchard writes, those who truly understand the magnitude of God's mercy must pay it forward to their debtors. Faith in God, Luther insists, naturally brings forth acts of love toward the neighbor. Friends, so may it be for you and for me. Amen. Thank you for listening on our podcast or through our YouTube playlist of sermons. Be sure to forward this message to someone who you believe is seeking God's word today.